Welcome to the weekend in this edition of the Florida Roundtable. I'm Bill Mick. You can catch up with me at BillMick.com. Drop us an email regarding the show or your thoughts. And this weekend on the Roundtable, the presidential primary season is in full swing. Governor Ron DeSantis is out, maybe earlier than many thought. What's that mean for Florida and the country? And should we be surprised by any of these developments? Chris Miro's thinking not. He's a political scientist. Joining us today as we take a look at the science of political science on this edition of the Florida Roundtable and just what it means for the Sunshine State. Chris Miro's participated in many campaigns and has been analyzing them for years. We'll get his insights and see just what the science was telling us was coming and what we can expect as a result of that. Today on the Florida Roundtable from the Florida News Network. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-240-4587. 800-240-4587. That's 800-240-4587. Sunshine came softly through my window today. Florida truly is the Sunshine State, and it shows in everything we grow. When you shop, choose Fresh from Florida. Because I made my mind up, you're going to be mine. I tell you right now. Fresh from Florida, there's sunshine in every bite. Stop your grinding with Brooks Night Are you waking up in the morning with a sore jaw, headaches, ringing in your ears, all because you're grinding and clenching your teeth at night? That's exactly what was going on with me. I ended up going to a dentist, and he wants to charge over $600 for a night guard. That's when I found the Brooks Night Guard. You mold it at home to the top or bottom teeth, Other mouth guards go all the way to the back, which allows the back teeth to touch. This is where most of the grinding and clenching occurs. The Brux Night Guard redirects the bite force away from the back teeth, reducing jaw pain while still protecting the teeth. This unique design is what makes Brux Night Guard different from all other traditional grind guards. Order your Brux Night Guard today and get 10% off plus free shipping. Go to BruxNightGuard.com and enter the code BRUX95. That's B-R-U-X-9-5. Stop your grinding with Brux Night Guard. And welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. I'm Bill Mick. Joining me this week, Chris Miro, a political scientist who is going to break down the current state of the Republican presidential primary, what it means for the state of Florida, and then some other political news from around the state as we get this edition of the Roundtable going. Chris, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time. That's a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Let's talk a little bit about Chris Miro first. For anybody who doesn't know you that's with us today, what got you interested in political science? Uh, how did you get into it? And what are you doing these days? Well, you know, I uh, I have to say the biggest influence was my father. <clears throat> he was always... Mine would be the same, right, yeah. Right, yeah. He was always uh, interested. He was a, an Army veteran. He served uh, you know 30 years in the United States Army. And uh, he was always very much involved in uh, and interested in the world around us and politics. And, sure. And it uh, really had a big influence on me. And so... In the early 90s, I was uh, started off as a campaign, Central Florida campaign uh, manager for Ken Connor for governor, uh, the Republican primary of 1994. Okay. Uh, I worked in Capitol Hill for John Micah, former congressman, right. as a research assistant in Capitol Hill. I worked uh, in his office. I've uh, been a campaign advisor and manager for uh, legislative races here in Florida and in Virginia. Okay. I decided to pursue political science as an academic field. I did undergraduate work at Georgetown University and ended up earning my Master of Arts degree from the University of Central Florida, uh, which has a a fantastic program, political science there. So I I do a lot of uh, advising, uh, campaign consulting, and I, I do a, a lot of research, uh, particularly on voting behavior is some of my interests. That's interesting because I can imagine they ebb and flow based on candidates and issues that are important at the time. 
what are the things you like to follow when it comes to these things? Well, I'm particularly interested in voting behavior uh, with regard to demographic characteristics, okay. uh, particularly with uh, religion, uh, age, uh, race, and ethnicity, and how those, uh, those variables impact whether people are going to vote and, of course, how they're going to vote. And, and our job as a political scientist would be to explain and perhaps give indicators, predictions of future behavior. You know, you and I talked uh, a week or so back that the polls have been remarkably accurate. And, and a lot of times we don't perceive that. We tend to perceive polls in the view of our preferences as opposed to what the reality is. How well are pollsters doing their job as as we've marched into this presidential primary season and as we look forward to the primary and then the general election in November? Well, they've been remarkably well considering the, you know, the incredible advancement in technology and the, uh, you know, the, the death of the landline and the right. rise of the mobile phone. And even the, with these kind of uh, new variables in the mix, I think political scientists and those who study, uh, you know, surveys uh, of, of the voters have done a remarkably well, remarkably well in, uh, in being very accurate. Are they matching up with exit polling as we see it happening in these primaries? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Iowa, it was, I mean, it was spot on in Iowa Mm -hmm. uh, for the caucus, even though you had, uh, you know, lower turnout due to the incredibly cold weather. Horrible weather that week. Negative 29. Then we had in New Hampshire record turnout for the New Hampshire primary. Most votes ever cast in the history of the New Hampshire primary. Isn't that interesting? 50% 50% of those votes were cast by members who are not, or voters who are not registered with the Republican Party. And still, the prediction was that uh, Trump would earn 55.8%. He got 547 in reality. That's an amazing... So that's statistically right on top of it. That's Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Well within our so-called margin of error. That is, that's interesting to see. I want to talk about the polling. I want to talk about the results of those primary elections and where it's taken us as this primary season moves on. Maybe surprisingly to some here in the Sunshine State, Governor DeSantis is out before the second primary date. Well, a caucus in one primary before the first primary really hit. So that's going to be interesting to see. It's, it is it is amazing the uh, the, uh, the, tra- the events that happened, uh, DeSantis dropping out. And where did those votes go to? We'll let you break it down for us as the Florida Roundtable continues. Man, it is a beautiful day to fish. Here's your life jacket. You know I can swim, right? So could a lot of people who died falling overboard. Come on, I'm not a kid. Fatalities are often men over 30. It's too hot to wear one. These new ones are complete. <sighs> there, happy. Ooh, I got one. Glad you wore the life jacket. Okay, yes. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission reminds you to wear your life jacket. Visit wearitflorida.com. Wear it, Florida. David was in big trouble with the IRS. At first, I didn't owe that much, but after this year, it was out of control. Then David called Get a Tax Lawyer. Right away, they were like, oh yeah, looks like you're qualified to say it's Get a Tax Lawyer went to work. (laughs) Should have called way sooner. Get a Tax Lawyer has helped thousands like David fight the IRS and get a fresh start. Call 800-786-9014. That's 800-786-9014. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, Emmy Award-winning actor, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping side saddle down a countryside road on a horse named Archie Bello, who seems to have only one speed, high. And pulling on his reins only seems to encourage him to go even faster. So, of course, my body hurts and my joints ache, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Oh, Archibello! Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. As soon as this scene wraps, I'm going to kiss the ground, thank Archibello for his outstanding performance, feed him a carrot, and visit brainhealth.gov. Find out how you can make the most of your brain as you age at brainhealth.gov.
The Florida Roundtable continues here on the Florida News Network. Bill Mick, along with political scientist Chris Muro, as we evaluate the primary elections thus far and where it's going. Of course, as we've noted, Governor DeSantis out before the first primary, after the first caucus. But, Chris, as we look at Iowa, was there ever any doubt? Was the polling leading into Iowa indicative of what happened? And, and does it appear it's going to be that way throughout here? Absolutely. The polling in Iowa told us since April of 2023 that Donald Trump had a significant 20 to 30 point lead, maintained that lead for nine months, unchanged. That is not normal. Normally, it ebbs and it flows between leading candidates. They have their moment in the sun and they they fade. Sure. And somebody else. We've comes seen in. that repeatedly in previous Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Not the case here. This what was, do you think is contributing to that then? There is a loyalty out there to Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump, this is, I think everybody can acknowledge now, the Republican Party is Donald Trump's party. Uh, and we, we saw that in, in Iowa with the largest vote um, as far as a discrepancy between first and second place. Mm-hmm. He won by the largest margin ever in the history of the Iowa caucus. And then he went into New Hampshire and we saw the same exact thing. He maintained a substantial double-digit polling lead for nine consecutive months from April of 2023 up until January 23rd of 2024 when the votes were cast. So he. Uh, so did that hold up with the results from New Hampshire as we know them today? We're recording the day after, so. Right. Well, it's it, it did. The only the only uh, thing, of course, is that first of all, you know, you had DeSantis drop out the last moment. Right. Uh, now he was polling at around eight percent. Uh, and Nikki Haley was supposed to get 36. She ended up with 43%. Like I said, Donald Trump was projected to get 55. He, he just just shy of that. And uh, the thing that seems to me, well, we don't have the data yet, but it does seem that a large chunk of the DeSantis voters did break for Haley, which was surprising. Mm-hmm. Maybe, oh, maybe Because s- they were fairly well aligned. There's some differences between the right. two, most certainly. But philosophically and, and policy-wise, they're fairly well aligned. Well, the conventional wisdom was that this was going to help Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does seem that a lot of those voters, a majority of them, did break for Haley. Maybe it was the uh, the kind of the the uh, vitriol between the two. Maybe the the controversy. You know, the name calling that Trump has uh, with mm-hmm. with Ron DeSantis. Maybe maybe that had an influence. Yeah, DeSantis himself came out with a rather lackluster endorsement of Trump. I thought he could have been more forceful about that. And I get he's still reeling from getting out of a campaign that he really thought he had a chance to win. But that lackluster endorsement didn't help, I don't think. And being in New England with New Hampshire, more likely to be a Haley-leaning crowd than maybe other places they're going to go. Well, definitely among, uh, you know, those who are not registered Republican, if you look at the exit poll data, Donald Trump won 76% of the Republican vote. Uh, Haley won 60% of the independent vote. And it was a 50-50 split between Republican and independent. So you had a very large group of independents that were actually participating in the New Hampshire Republican primary. We heard reports of party switching before Iowa to go in and vote for Nikki Haley from the Democratic side. Did we see similar things in New Hampshire or do we know yet? Well, I mean, there is a time period, you know, you, you, I don't believe you can do it on the day of the uh, the election. So I think there was a time before the election, like we have in Florida. Right. Right. We have 30 days in Florida. I'm not sure if it's 30 days, but there's a time period where that ends. Right. Um, so I don't I don't you know, I don't know if we if, if that happened, were there people that actually left Democrat affiliation and aligned as an independent just to be able to participate in the primary to vote for Haley I think that that uh, is a question remains unanswered. But what I do find to be uh, interesting is the overwhelming support from registered Republicans for Donald Trump. And the other factor was the the vote, if you look at it, male and female, it was a 50-50 split. Is so that right? It's right. Nikki Haley, being you know a female candidate, did not turn the tide or, or change the the game here. There was a split uh, uh, based on gender right down the middle. 
typically in other elections, do females go more for female candidates? Does, does that tend to occur? Well, there, there, have, there has been that situation, mostly on the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that, you know, identity politics does play a larger role among the Democratic electorate than it does among the Republican electorate. Mm-hmm. I think that this exit data kind of confirms that. Now, the Democratic Party, in its pursuit of this primary season, basically blew off Iowa. They said, we're not going to do New Hampshire, and they want South Carolina to be the starting point here. Yet, reported in the news after the New Hampshire primary was done, that there were Democrats who went in and voted. They wrote in Joe Biden's name. He, he walked away with it, in spite of there being another candidate uh, that is still in the race on the Democratic side. Um, are they serving their party well by... eliminating or skipping these types of votes? Well, I mean, you know, Joe Joe Biden has been on the New Hampshire primary ballot uh, three times, 1988 and 2008 and 2020, and he lost all three. But he won when he wasn't on the ballot. And that was in 2024. <laughs> that is interesting. So they wrote his name in to, to, to uh, you know, to secure that. Well, you know, I, I think Democrats in New Hampshire are upset that uh, that the president would want to change this tradition of, you know, New Hampshire as its leadoff or first in the nation mm-hmm. sta- status. And, and they, they're covetous of that status. And sure. they take that responsibility seriously. And, you know, and kudos to them for, for doing that. Um the, the reasoning here is President Biden and uh, his advisors believe that Iowa and New Hampshire, demographically, they don't look like America. They're overwhelmingly Caucasian. There's not a lot of African-American or Hispanic voters in those states. And that's why they're pushing for South Carolina and Nevada to be the leadoff rather than having Iowa and New Hampshire. And I think this is also a way for the president to acknowledge that in 2020, it was South Carolina. Because remember, he lost Iowa. He mm-hmm. lost uh, New Hampshire. They went into Nevada. He even lost Nevada. It wasn't until the fourth vote that Biden was able to emerge as the front runner, And that was because of overwhelming African-American support in South Carolina. That's interesting. As the demographics break down, I look at Iowa, I look at New Hampshire, relatively small electoral votes. Why such a prominent position for those two states, for the Republican Party, and previously for the Democratic Party? Why? Simply because they went first. When we started experimenting with, you know, before there was a caucus or a primary, it was smoke-filled back rooms with party right. bosses, and, you know, these, this is how we were choosing Back when kids. conventions actually meant yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, y- yeah. Okay. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. But as we, you know, kind of the, um, this was kind of a... Uh, offshoot of the result of the progressive era, the idea of having a primary, and that's how we were going to be choosing candidates. So Iowa, New Hampshire, with their, you know, being a small, more rural populations, rather than larger states, they kind of were the experiment in here, and then they decided to put it into law. It's actually law in New Hampshire that they have to be the first in the nation. So they're serious about this. Do they get to really control that, though? I mean, it might be in their law. Well, but... I, well obviously, the Democratic National Committee didn't abide by the uh, the provision. Okay, that that's interesting. So with that being more of a traditional thing, why is so much weight put on these first states? I mean— Republicans and, and pollsters on the Republican side are saying, this is Donald Trump's. He's not going to lose it. It's done. It's over. Now, maybe it was over before it ever started, but traditionally, do these two states tend to call the nominees for these parties? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to go back uh, 50 years. There's only one instance besides 2020 with Biden. There was only one other instance where somebody didn't win one or the other and went on to be the nominee, and that was 1992 with Bill Clinton. He lost Iowa. He went into New Hampshire, and he lost by one point in New Hampshire behind Paul Songus, mm-hmm. the senator from Massachusetts who was supposed to win by a big margin. Right. He only lost by one point, and that's where he got the moniker, the comeback kid, because okay. of his strong performance in New Hampshire. See, if, if you don't perform well in the first two states, it, it's not an indicator that you're going to be able to perform well in subsequent states. Money dries up media attention dries up 
And, you know, you're not really a serious, credible candidate if you can't pull off a victory or a strong showing in those first two states. Seems to me like such a small percentage of the country that after those two states, we'd be saying it's all over and done with. Well, I mean, if you're looking forward, you're looking at Nevada as the next stop. And Trump, I mean, Nikki Haley's not even mentioning Nevada. Right, that's on February. She's relying 3rd. on her home turf well, in talking, South Carolina, right, right? Right. So in Nevada, she's about sixty points behind in the latest polls. South Carolina, though, not much better. She's she's about forty or so points, maybe thirty-five points behind in the polling average in her home state of South Carolina. The governor there has endorsed Trump. The senator has endorsed Trump. Both senators have endorsed Donald Trump. This is where she was a two-term governor. This is where she was a two-term governor. So she's written off Nevada, which is the next vote. Mm -hmm. She's banking on South Carolina, which I'm not sure why, because there's not much going on there. Um, The the race is over. Donald Trump is going to win every primary and every caucus, whether it's in the Virgin Islands or Guam, Nevada or Virginia, South Carolina. He's going to he's going to run the tables on this. The question. The polling's telling you this. The polling is telling us this, and 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 so is so is history. Has polling methodology changed? Has it gotten better? You mentioned technology a little earlier. Are we doing this better than we used to? It it, it kind of seems that way to me in this season. It, it is getting better, but you have to remember there were some polls that were being promoted out there that showed a tie between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Now, there's a couple of outliers there that were being promoted by certain segments of the media. That's like a hurricane spaghetti model. Let's be honest. There's, yeah. there's one that's going off somewhere that nowhere else, nobody else is going to. Exactly. And it was the American Research Group was the most prominent one that was putting out these polls showing that there was a, a tie between, you know, Haley and Trump. But then when you break down the methodology, a lot of organizations didn't even include them in their aggregation models because of their methodology random uh, kind of ways of um, determining how we're going to weight different demographic groups, um, you know, rather than using more the the random uh, kind of sample size that mm-hmm. we were looking for, something that's going to be actually reflective of the general population. About 30 seconds here. What do you do to determine the credibility of a poll? What makes you rely on a poll versus another? Well, I look at their history, how they've done in previous elections, And I also look at the aggregation model, meaning I'm going to combine all of the most credible polls, and that's going to minimize any error or outliers that might be there. So you basically average the the good polls, the ones you rely on. Absolutely. Very good. Chris Miro is with us. It's the Florida Roundtable, the primary election season, and what's it going to mean to Florida? Well, that's still ahead on the Florida News Network. On the road, there's a thin line between safety and tragedy. Don't cross it. When you see flashing lights on any emergency, service, utility, or disabled vehicle, move over a lane or slow down to 20 miles an hour below the posted speed limit. Give law enforcement, first responders, and service professionals the space needed to do their jobs. Help protect those who protect us. Move over or slow down for emergency lights. Move over, Florida. It's the law. Brought to you by the Florida Department of highway safety and motor vehicles life can be full of risks one thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance if you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it 800-398-0651-800-398-0651-800-398-0651 That's 800-398-0651. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Crump witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers. It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result? More confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You want to learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org, where we have posted a link 
to the fabulous work known as the Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Imagine. Imagine being denied an apartment because of your religion or your race or because you have children or a disability. It's so wrong. Yes, but who has the power to stop this? You do. Each of us has the power. The law is on your side. It's illegal for landlords to discriminate because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familial status. If you suspect that you have experienced housing discrimination, file a complaint with HUD immediately so we can investigate it. Fair housing is your right. Use it. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash fair housing. That's HUD.gov slash fair housing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. Bill Mick with Chris Miro on the Florida Roundtable. Chris, a political uh, scientist and someone who's learned to, l- let me bring back a phrase for you, trust the science, right? Trust the science. And, and we can better than we thought, maybe. We can. We can if we're objective about it. See, the problem is, is when we start putting in our own personal desire, policy desires and it clouds our ability to see. Like many people are choosing the news they watch or the news they pay attention to that they give credibility to. It's the one that matches their mindset. Their echo chambers. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, but the science has told you this all along in this primary season. And if I'm not mistaken, you told me a week or two ago that it's, it's done that for years, that it's been pretty accurate all the way through. Absolutely. It has been, it has been. And I know it's easy to criticize and to say, you know, let's blame the polls. But if you actually look at what the polls are measuring, they've been remarkable in their in their uh, their accuracy and their their ability to tell us what's going to happen. Well, mark our words. Chris Miro has said on the Florida Roundtable, this primary season's over. Donald Trump is the nominee, which leads us to the next question: Who's it going to take as his vice president? Are there any indicators out there that you're seeing or hearing? Well, I, I had, uh, I know last time we were together, I had mentioned, uh, you know, Doug Burgum, uh, mm-hmm. North Dakota governor. Uh, and, and I do like Doug Burgum. And I think what, what Trump needs is he, you know, he needs somebody to balance him out. Somebody who has, you know, maybe a more uh, calmer temperament, if you will, that has experience, legislative experience, executive experience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Governor Burgum would, would bring that to the table. But I do think the and most— And what? One, two electoral votes? What's North Dakota have? They're at three. Okay. Come on now. Okay. Come on. Come on. They're at three. But, uh, you know, uh, w- when you pick a vice president, you know, you're, you're looking for a a niche group to appeal to. So, right. you know, I mean, why did Romney pick Paul Ryan? Well, Romney had a, a Mormon problem. Mormonism wasn't viewed as mainstream Christianity. So he picked Paul uh, Paul Ryan as a Catholic. Okay. Right? Um so it, it can help you with certain groups. Um, if you don't want to be president, you could pick Admiral Stockdale to be your running mate. That would ensure that you wouldn't get elected, right? From, <laughs> okay. Like Perot did in 92. I think for, for, for Trump, I think, obviously, I think it's his best bet would be Tim Scott, the senator. I was senator, just going to ask you about him. The, the senator, senator from, from South, South Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, demographically, African-American male, he can appeal to uh, black voters in key states like Georgia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. I think in those four states, 
Uh, we have seen some movement among black males uh, being more open to the Republican Party. We're seeing more uh, black males elected to the Republican Party than at any time since the end of the Civil War. And, you know, people do take cues, uh, electoral cues, and when they see members uh, of their own ethnic group or religious group or whatever group they're with being elected, that's a cue that they take. And so I think Tim Scott could bring a lot to the Trump ticket. Experience in the in the Congress, in the Senate. Absolutely. He has a, a very measured temperament. And I think also his background and his story can also play well in key, uh, key states that Trump needs to carry. Also getting out early on was Vivek Ramaswamy. And he spoke well throughout. He seemed to have a youthful following, maybe more youthful than the Republican Party, maybe used to drawing in some places. And the president, President Trump, seemed to indicate after uh, Iowa that there was a seat at the table for Vivek Ramaswamy. What would you say that would be? Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've advocated that he should be a member of the cabinet. Um, I think with his background in business, I think, you know, being at uh, the Department of Commerce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe HUD or something like that would be, would be a nice fit. But I think being in the cabinet is where Ramaswamy is right now. I don't think he has the uh, timber to be a vice presidential nominee at this point. Or carries enough clout around the country well, at this yeah, point, Well, yeah, I mean, right? well, who are you going to appeal to uh, besides young voters, which make up, uh, you know, uh, voters under 30 in, in 2020 were 17% of the total. So, I mean, you know, 83% weren't. So, I mean, what are you trying to appeal? And most of them voted Democrat. So who are you trying to appeal? We don't even know what most people don't even know which state Ramaswamy's from. I'm not sure I could tell oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's from Ohio. We know he's voted one time, and that was in 2020. So he has a, a light voting record. Okay. And most people don't even know where he's from. See, I, w- so, I would have gone with Silicon Valley or right, something. Right, you know? right. That's and very so, true. Interesting. Let's bring this back home to Florida. Right. Governor DeSantis got out after Iowa just very shortly before New Hampshire. Handwriting was on the wall when you saw him canceling the Sunday show appearances two days before the uh, the uh, New Hampshire primary. Right. What's it mean for Ron DeSantis? He he was very popular early on, but President Trump started this primary season the day after t- the 2022 election. I'm in for president. Let's go. Right. DeSantis takes a while to get in, but he's been rumored as a candidate the whole time. He gets in. I think he does fairly well early on. But what happened and what happens now? Well, he he did do well before his his you know declaring officially declaring his candidacy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was the the initial declaration of the candidacy on X was a disaster. All those. Uh, it was a technical problem. It was. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you outsourced, you gave somebody else the ability to control in large part how that was going to be delivered. You, you surrendered that. And that's what you did when you went on to X. I thought it was a bad move. But, you know, the news never got better for Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Week after week, the news was bad every single week. Donors leaving, people that gave him large sums of money were now shifting their allegiance. People that had endorsed him were now jumping ship. Uh, And and campaigns, whenever they do major changes of personnel, that's never an indicator that things are going well. And that was really the whole nine months was just bad news after bad news. The one thing I thought his camp did very well, they do it out of Tallahassee, out of the governor's office well, Mm -hmm. is his public information people are sharp, they're quick, they're usually very factual, and on top of things almost immediately. Communication-wise, I thought they were doing well, but that didn't seem to translate to the overall campaign. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why that was, and just the fact I think the loyalty to Trump was a big uh, factor in this as well. I think Ron DeSantis's future looks challenging. Right, He's coming back to Florida a little bit weaker as governor, there's no game until 2028. Right. So, you know, it's hard when you're, n- when you're not an elected official that's in the spotlight. It's hard to get attention when you're outside of that So you realm. would think he would have aspirations to run for president again in well, 28. I, I, I he's a young man. He, and sure he's a successful has, governor. I'm sure that he has aspirations, but there's mm-hmm. no game till 28. So either he runs again for the nomination which I think it's going to be a crowded field in 2028. Sure, because so he'll be if one of Donald many. Trump would be elected president, he can only serve this four years and then he's out. That's right. 
And then what, what, what other option is there to run against Rubio in a primary to challenge him for the Senate seat? I, I don't think that's a winner either. So really, there, there's not much for DeSantis to look forward to until the 2028 you know, Republican primary season. And uh, I think he's coming back to Tallahassee a little bit weaker. You know, so do you see an impact? The legislative session in Florida is ongoing right now. We're, what, three weeks in. Right. And the governor has been very influential with what the legislature's done his entire term and a half as governor. I would expect that influence to continue. Are you saying that the legislature not willing to take that leadership as much as they were? Well, I would say this. I say that he's going to be continue to be strong. He's going to continue to be influential. Not saying that, but last session in 2023 was an incredible session. There was a lot of major, major things that were accomplished. There were a few bills that were vetoed. Even Pasadomo's pet bill that passed almost unanimously was vetoed by the governor. No one even talked about a veto override. Mm -hmm. I think those days are gone. I think that you think you might see it attempts I, at overriding vetoes with I, with I a do. veto uh, well, overturning do. majority. They, uh, they have that. a super majority to yeah. do that. So I think the idea that we're not even going to go there. I think those days are past. Uh, I think you're not going to see as many dramatic uh, bills come through this session. I mean, there, there, there seem to be bogged down in restricting, you know, TikTok and access to Facebook and so the social media campaign, mm -hmm. um, I, which was not something I would recommend. I mean, why you want to alienate an entire generation. That The toothpaste's out of the tube on this one, Bill. Mm -hmm. The genie's not going back in the bottle. Right. Government's not going to come in and save us from ourselves here. The, you know, it's it's up to parents to step up here. So I, I don't know why this is the focus. You, so you think there's a misstep in legislative focus and, and potentially if the governor's driving that in his focus on these issues, are we too much focused on the social issue side and maybe not on the economic with the homeowners insurance issues and yeah. Medicaid, Medicare, those kind of things? Well, I, absolutely. I think the, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned about rising automobile insurance, homeowners insurance. You know, of course, inflation is still an issue mm -hmm. uh, that people are concerned about. So, you know, I think focusing on economic issues would be would be a, a good move. You know, in 2023, the legislature passed uh, universal school choice. That was a, an amazing, uh, you know, introduction of competition into right. you know government schooling. We also had a uh, six-week abortion ban that was passed. Some of the most dramatic family law updates that were passed in the last 50 years happened in the last session i think they need to start focusing on things that are going to really matter in the 2024 kitchen cycle. table issues kitchen table issues we're back in moments on the florida roundtable on the florida news network when was the last time you had a truly awesome nursery experience a nursery and garden center with a huge selection and friendly expert advice we're talking about quality green specialists in deland at quality green we have your favorite plants fruit trees flowers vegetables and herbs plus with our 8011 fertilizer organic azomite and composted soil your garden will look its very best. Great plants, sustainable products, friendly expert advice. 335 West Michigan Avenue, Deland, and online at qualitygreenspecialist.com. Have fungus gnats invaded your potted plants? Control these pests with BTI, the active ingredient in Summit Responsible Solutions, Mosquito Bits. This naturally occurring bacterium kills mosquito larvae, and it also kills fungus gnat larvae in potting soil. Just follow the easy instructions on the label. Mosquito Bits are harmless to people, plants, and wildlife. Summit Mosquito Bits are available at garden centers, hardware stores, and at SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. That's 802-341-4542. Moms, we all wish there were two more of us just to get through the day preparing lunch snacks, dinners. We've all got a lot on our plates. That's where Fresh from Florida comes in. They have hundreds of recipes that make mealtime quick, easy, and healthy. 
and shopping for locally grown produce is a snap. Just look for the Fresh from Florida logo. When it's almost dinner time and you have to be three places at once, go to the one place that counts, freshfromflorida.com. There's sunshine in every bite. I'm Bill Mick, back on the Florida Roundtable with political scientist Chris Muro as we're taking a look at the primary season, the impact thereof, and the impact on Florida. Chris, I noticed something that uh, occurred after Governor DeSantis' loss in Iowa. Nikki Haley came out. No, I'm sorry, not Nikki Haley. Nikki Freed. I get my Nikki's confused. Nikki Freed came out saying that the Florida Democratic Party had spent a year, better part of a year, letting America know about Ron DeSantis in order to play in the Republican primary. Question I had in my mind is, do Democrats feel well served by their state party going out and playing in a national primary as opposed to dealing with local, state, even county races, maybe trying to overturn the Republican supermajority in both houses of the Florida legislature? I'm wondering how they're feeling about that. Well, you know, especially considering that the Democratic Party of Florida has had some significant financial issues, you know, the uh, inability to compete financially with the Florida Republican Party and raising that money, you would think it wouldn't be a wise investment to do that. Instead, you know, you would think that the Democrats would focus on formulating a positive message, candidate recruitment, getting quality candidates to run, and making sure that there's a quality candidate that's in every single race so that you don't have a, a whole number of seats that go, you know, uncontested, yeah. uncontested. Absolutely. And we, we, we did have in central Florida, a um, special election, a house district 35. True. Uh, it went, uh, it's a very competitive district. Uh, it went Republican in 2020 and in 2022, it was, it was a democratic seat before that. And now it's flipped back to a, being a democratic seat is that a bellwether of any kind for what's going on around the state? Well, you know, I, I'm cautious to say that with super, uh, with uh, special elections, but I will say that if you look at the nation as a whole, special elections, Democrats have been outperforming Republicans in special elections all over the country. So the fact that, you know, after such a dramatic win in 2022, to have a seat that was competitive flip back blue— mm-hmm. I, I think somebody should pay attention to that. I think the message should be the Republicans should look at this incredible supermajority they have. They should covet it. They should nurture it. They should protect it. It seems to me that they're just using it very brashly. Uh, Is there no foresight then in the Republican Party? Is that how you read this? They're not looking far enough out. And is maybe that a result of term limits that don't let you develop statesmen at the state level? Well, I don't know. I'm a big fan of term limits myself, <laughs> uh, Bill. But uh, <laughs> I, I will say that it does seem that we're we're looking at the right here, right now. We're not looking long term. Okay. And and that's the problem is you know we the policies we enact today, and their continuity is, is going to have an effect on the the overall health of our state moving forward for the long term. Also released just this week, the numbers at the end of 2023 showing that the Republicans have over a three-quarter of a million vote advantage in registered voters over the Democrats in the state. How significant is that, and does that keep Republicans in power across well, the state? Well, it, it's, it's very significant if you look at uh, the history of Florida. Right, this is, It was this the is other the way around not that long ago. Absolutely. I mean, from 1877 to 1997, Bill, 120 years, that 120-year period, you only had eight years where there was a Republican governor. That is significant. That is, yeah. So the change is dramatic here, right? The realignment, the political realignment that has taken place in Florida is extremely dramatic. Uh, But those majorities, you know, you can't take them for granted. Now, I will say this Republicans have a big advantage in voter identification, fundraising advantage, quality candidates. I do anticipate Republicans are going to remain in the majority for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is some you know, danger for Republicans to see uh, more Democrats getting elected to the legislature and becoming a little bit more competitive. Which gives them more voice, more influence in the things that go on. That'll be interesting Absolutely. to see. Um, let's talk about ballot initiatives. It's one of the things we do in Florida that really disappoints me as a voter, that we allow 
citizens to put initiatives on the ballot that are basically legislating by Democratic vote, as opposed to our elected representatives handling these issues. You see things like medical marijuana. You see things like uh, minimum wage. Back years ago, it was pregnant pigs and four-year-old pre-K. We elect representatives to do this, yet we circumvent that with these constitutional amendments. Do we have any coming up, and what are we looking at? Well, right now, the only one that's officially uh, certified for the 2024 election is the Partisan School Board Initiative, or, or legislative proposal. Right to make school board elections uh, partisan once again. Now, I, I oppose the revision that made them nonpartisan back in 1998, Bill, when sure. we had the Constitutional Revision Commission back then. Right. So this is an exciting time to get those back to partisan, but I don't think that that initiative is going to pass, Bill. You don't? No, I don't, because they throw these things out there, and there's never any leadership on them. And we'll wrap it up with Chris Muro, political scientist here on the Florida Roundtable from the Florida News Network. You've got questions or comments about the show, find me at BillMick.com. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-240-4587. 800-240-4587. That's 800-240-4587. If you own a vessel that has reached the end of its useful life and don't know how to get rid of it, we can assist you. The Florida Vessel Turn-In Program, or VTIP, accepts vessels that have been determined at risk of becoming derelict. If you have received a citation or warning from law enforcement for an at-risk vessel and are the title owner of the vessel, you may be eligible to have your vessel removed and disposed of at no cost to you. Don't wait until it's too late. For more information, go to floridavtip.com. That's floridavtip.com. Attention people with Medicare and anyone turning 65. Are you enrolled in the best Medicare plan available? The average Medicare beneficiary has a choice of 54 Medicare plans, 766 Medicare Part D prescription drug plans, and a record 3,834 Medicare Advantage plans. How do you know you have the right plan? Simple. Call 800-571-7025. That's 800-571-7025. The service is free. You may find a plan with a $0 monthly premium, $0 co-pays and zero dollar deductible don't gamble speak to a licensed agent to find out which plan is right for you call 800-571-7025 that's 800-571-7025 800-571-7025 and let best med care do the work for you Shortness of breath, patients confused, temp 102. He just had an infection. What's going on? He's becoming septic. Antibiotics started. Bed ready, let's move him. Infections can lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms, and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... I had a fever and these terrible headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. Bringing this week's edition of the Florida Roundtable to a close with uh, political scientist Chris Miro. Chris, as, as we left, we were talking about constitutional amendments. We know we've got one on the ballot. Saw a projection in a news story just this week that recreational marijuana could very well end up there. Anything else on the horizon yeah, potentially? There is. There's uh, the recreational marijuana. Also, there's abortion uh, as, a, as, as a petition floating out around there to see if we can cut, they, they want to kind of overturn uh, the six-week abortion ban, declaring abortion as a constitutional right. 
So that's in the process of gaining uh, signatures in Supreme Court. Is that Court a trend rule. around the country that Democrats are using? Let's we're losing on the economy. We have a train wreck of a country right now. So let's make abortion the issue, and Roe versus Wade being overturned open that door for them. Is that what they're doing? Saying this is where we're going to win? Oh, absolutely! It's uh, it's been a uh, an issue that Democrats have seized on, and they're talking about, it, and it doesn't seem the Republicans have had a an answer to uh, the Democrats making abortion a centerpiece of their uh, campaign across the country. I do think that those issues could you know drive turnout up. You know, if you have pot and uh, abortion on the ballot. There's also 26 proposals, Bill, in the current Florida legislature. For adding amendments to the to the uh, the ballot this year, so there's 26 proposals that are in the legislature right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most legislature can do it. Yep. The the uh, Constitution Revision Commission used to be able to do it. Did we wipe well, them out yet? No, no, no. We tried in 2022, Bill, but that failed. And then you've got the citizen initiative. So three ways to get these things on the ballot. Well, there's also a tax and budget reform commission that meets too. So they're going to meet in 2028. Revision Commission won't meet again until 2038. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've got there's there's five ways. We can also have a constitutional convention, but that hasn't happened in 55 years. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But uh, I do agree with you, Bill, that one of the things that we should be looking on is how do we have supermajority requirements for voting of initiatives, whether it's at mm-hmm. the local level, municipal level or statewide. Right. And also, we need to have on all of our governing boards, city councils and county commissions, supermajority requirements, four out of five, to raise taxes. And that is, should be the focus of the legislature right now. To do the same thing with constitutional across amendments? The, across the state. That's mm-hmm. right. We go out and vote for you know, uh, increasing millage rates, or we go out and vote for EELS programs, or we go out and vote for any kind of tax increase. Or increasing the revenue to a tourism city. taxes, which are familiar all across the state. Absolutely, any of those have to be approved by super majorities, and that needs to be the focus, in my estimation, if we're going to make sure that the quality of life here in Florida is maintained for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, we have an eighteen billion dollar surplus. California has a thirty-eight billion dollar deficit. Right. We didn't expand Medicaid. They expanded Medicaid. We don't have an income tax. They have an income tax. One of the biggest things is we have these supermajority requirements and we have tax limitation requirements. Right. In many of our yeah, California's not seen a tax it doesn't like. We we yeah we we need to uh, kind of undergird that principle that the supermajority is the way to protect us moving forward. Let's put you on the hot seat, political scientist, before our show is done. Uh, you've already oh declared Donald Trump the nominee for the Republicans in 2024. Does it stay that way for Joe Biden? They're keeping everybody else off the ballot. Well, I think I think uh, Joe Biden will secure the Democratic nomination. Okay. Do you think he'll be there in November? Well, uh, that's a good question. Because we're hearing a lot of rumbles about that. We There's really a good are. question. There's an August convention... For uh-huh. the Democrats, mm-hmm. and um, something could change between now and then. We'll keep an eye, and we'll have you back on the Florida Roundtable. Chris Miro, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Until next week, when we come back at it again, be well, and we'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable with Bill Make on news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station management, owners, or sponsors. For questions or concerns, contact Florida Roundtable at fnnonline.net.